Dotnet Rocks episode 925 with guest Rachel Reese. Recorded live Thursday, November 7th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And by Franklin's.net, makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Hey, guess what? It's Carl and Richard, and we're back for another episode of .NET Rocks here at Ordev in Malmo, Sweden. Oh my God, when does this ever end? No, well, not for another day at least. It's amazing, though. I yep. love it. They're having lots of fun here. We always have fun. Let's get right to Better Know Framework. Awesome. And Richard, today we're going old school. Ooh. Okay, what do you got? From the old school department, it's the environment class. What? An actual framework reference? Absolutely. Wow. I don't know how, when the last time you used this was, but it, I use it all the time. And I just wonder if the things that I take for granted are things that you know new developers may or may not know about. So right. uh, tinyurl.com slash environment class, one word. This is system.environment. So this tells you all about the environment you're running in. And this is in .NET. It's been there since 1.0. The yep. properties like command line, current directory, is 64-bit operating system, is 64-bit process, machine name, tick count, which is the number of milliseconds that have elapsed since the system started, user domain name, username, and methods like fail fast, which immediately terminates a process after writing a message to the Windows application event log, and then includes the message and error reporting to Microsoft. Right. Good stuff, but play nice. <laughs> it's your foot. Yep. It, it, we won't save you. We're not going to protect you here. I, and I noticed you, it has the is 64-bit in it. It is 64-bit. Reminds me of something. Where did we reference process. that? Process, yeah. <laughs> That's right. If you ever find yourself uh, getting swag at a dev intersection and answering that question, you'll know. You might have a question. Yeah. Which one is it? Is 64-bit? I use it all the time to get the current directory. Yeah. Simple as that. Environment.current directory. But you're right. It's one of those things that's just like, yeah, I need this. So you use it. Yep. You're so prone to writing files. Yeah, that's why from, you care about that. Yeah, I do. I do the, a lot of file writing. Um, but uh, if you need a, a unique identifier for that instance, yep. machine name or you know, yeah. tick count yep. or both. You yeah, know? It's all in there. If you can't get the NAT address, which is probably the best idea. Sure. But you could use a combination of all of those things. Yep. NAT address, machine name, tick count. That's yeah, probably going to be pretty unique in the world. Yeah. Someday we'll have IPv6 addresses, and they're unique too. But we don't have them yeah. reliably yet. All right. Well, there you go. Awesome. It's uh, tinyurl.com slash environment class. Know it, learn it, love it. So, Richard, who's talking to us? I grabbed a comment off of show 777. And that's the one we did with Venket Subramanium when we were talking about functional programming. Love Venket. You know, very theme-centric. you know centric. And this comment, which was made a year ago, is by Jason Kearney, who says, Hey, guys, I listened to the show 777 a few days ago. Recently, I decided to take a dive into functional. Because of your shows, I'm starting out with Erlang. Wow. Yep. Uh, because it sounded so cool. And then diving into F-sharp. This show started me thinking about disposable. 
I like the pattern given with the static objects that constructs the disposable object behind the scenes, but felt a bit robbed as none of the .NET types implement this pattern. I wanted this goodness throughout my code without implementing a facade pattern for every .NET object that implemented iDisposable. My solution came about by combining the idea of currying, and he puts in a reference to Wikipedia about uh, currying, to the solution, and then he actually gives us a code sample. Wow. And I'm not going to read the code sample. No, please except don't. Except for the last comment in it, which says, slash, 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 a total suck up for a mug, slash, 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 comment to be remembered by, <laughs> slash, 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 suck up a public action class. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you guys rock, .NET rocks. Very cool. So, Jason, super excited to hear you're, you're taking some ideas away from the shows and trying different things, and have a while ago. So I hope we'll hear back from you to say uh, what your Erlang and F-Sharp experiences were like. Uh, appreciate your thinking. And a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And those apps were written by Diatom Enterprises. We'd love to build you an app. Just go to DiatomEnterprises.com. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts, releasing over 40 new courses every month and still offering a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access. Pluralsight offers a wide range of topics, including iOS, Java, Android, web development, and pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. By the way, I saw a Swede in the Green Lion, the pub, the other day, who oh, yeah. said... Yes, I've heard your show. It's quite long-winded. Long-winded. I said, well, we like to talk. He said, yes, that is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's really, really true. Long-winded. All right. Well, anyway, uh, that brings us to our guest, Rachel Reese. Rachel is a longtime software engineer and math geek who has recently relocated to the lovely Burlington, Vermont. That's why Julie's in the audience. <laughs> because a reference to her hometown, there Burlington, you go. Vermont. You bring up Burlington. She GPRs. runs the local, Rachel, that is, runs the local functional programming user group at VT Fun, which is a constant source of inspiration to her and at which she often speaks on F Sharp. She's also an ASP insider, a community enthusiast, and one of the at Lambda underscore ladies. I love all these ats in here. <laughs> Lambda ladies. And a Rachai. <laughs> One of what? the Rachai, yes. One of the Rachai. Uh, you can, can find her on Twitter at Rachel Reese, R E E S E, or on her blog, RachelReese.se. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to be here. <laughs> well, and you're, and you're an F-sharp person, which makes you a rare breed, I think, still. Yes, we are. We're very enthusiastic and very very determined, and the, the entire community really just loves the language so much that we all tend to go out and be evangelists about it, because yeah. it is that amazing. What, what got you into F-sharp? Well, what got you into functional? F-sharp got me into functional, actually. Oh, really? I, I had never heard of functional. I knew nothing about it. I'd been a C-sharp developer since .NET Beta 1. Right. Um, actually... I was VB.net, so a little later I was, I was C-sharp. You can't say anything bad about VB.net. <laughs> Carl's right here. Yeah, no. Not I, <laughs> I have heard some very good things about VB.net lately. There are yeah, some things you, it can do that are... Uh, yeah, it, I, I, I made a lot of money with VB.net, so there you go. It, it's not a bad language. Um, but I, to, too, love C-sharp as well. <laughs> um, so I got into functional 
it, it started actually with, because I was a math major, all of my friends just naturally assumed that I was. And so they, like, I would get questions. They'd be like, well, Rachel, you're into F-sharp. I'm like, no, I, I haven't really even looked at it yet. I don't know what you're talking about. Just because you're a math major. <laughs> yes. Okay. That was the like, functional programming is this mathy thing, right? So you know all about it. So yeah, so everyone just naturally assumed that I was actually interested in F-sharp. And I finally got around to playing with it. I started you know, looking at the Project Euler problems. And there are a couple other very small, um, there's a tryfsharp.org website now that you can just go and play in the browser with F-sharp. Right. And I started to realize that maybe because of the immutability, because there were lots of data science applications, um, it actually, it seemed to focus on all of the things that I was interested in. Yes. Um, lots of people do machine learning. And it, the epiphany, I suppose, was sort of, it, it actually, working with F-sharp is sort of like making the computer be able to understand my brain. Yeah. Like it, it just flows in right, the right ways. So and The brain of a math major. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's not just, it's, um, there was actually a great comment earlier, it, it's more like just the pure logic, right. which all computer scientists know. I mean, logic was the easy class in, in college. Yeah, it's, sure. it's just very pure logic. I mean, yeah. the mutability is things don't change. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's kind of normal. It, yeah. It is normal. <laughs> that is normal. <laughs> we, we, as developers, build our minds to deal with mutability, which is weird. Yes. So in some ways, you're untangling the stuff we had to learn to understand computing. Very much so. And it, as I sort of untangled all of that, I just, you know, you know that feeling you get when you've been sitting in a room for a while and one of these lights is blinking over here and you kind of don't notice it, but after somebody fixes it, there's this like collective sigh oh, of yeah. relief. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what moving to functional programming was That's like. That's really <laughs> interesting. That's a great description. I, I like so, that a lot. So when you first got it, what kinds of problems were you solving? Um, to start off, it was really, you know, the Project Euler problems, very basic little things. The, um, the stuff that I've done for work is data transfer applications um, using type providers. You can grab information so easily that, you know, I grabbed from like two or three different databases, mash it all together, and then just moved it to another one. And it, the, the really cool thing about that was my very first app really? that I built for. Mm -hmm. hmm. So I would have thought your first thing would be have, you know, like an equation solver or something uh, yeah. like that. <laughs> no, just but it was simple. moving data. Moving data. Wow. Um, I actually, I, I have the number somewhere, but I, I reduced the lines of code by some absurd amount and was able to actually get a five-fold increase on uh, performance. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. For your data move. Mm -hmm. See, I would have thought that was I.O. bound. It, I was able to parallelize a lot of it. Ah, uh, okay. So it, it, yeah. Well, and this brings up an interesting point that I think we've addressed a few times around F-sharp, but need to drill into better, which is there's something about functional that seems inherently parallel. Yes. Uh, well, yes, it, it, it's very easy to do so. Things like being able to, to use uh, the mapping functions. Yeah. So, you know, if you have an array, you can do an array.map. And, that, and especially you can do an array.parallelize.map. Right. So it's just that one extra. But that's explicit. Th then. But yes. Um, but it's not like it, it involves a bunch of other setting up to okay. do. You just add in the, the dot .parallelize. Um, and then it'll, it'll act on everything in the array at the same time. Nice. And, and that's really where you're getting speed benefit. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> array.map, what does that do exactly? It's, it basically, um, under the covers, I, I have absolutely no idea. But yeah. <laughs> it's... The very basic idea, which um, I would never say in front of anyone who knows F-sharp, but is it is sort of the replacement for a for loop. Right. Oh, it okay. is not, of course. Do okay, not quote me sure. on that. <laughs> right. But it will, 
it will take, you send it oh, I see. an array and you send it a function and it will map that function onto every element of the array I see. and then produce a new array with all those results. I see. So it, for, for each thing in this, ar in this array, do this function. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the, yeah, the equivalent code in C sharp would, would involve be, a for loop. Yes. Yes. But you never say that in F sharp. Yes. You just, you just act <laughs> on all those items. Yes. And the fact that you can say parallelize as well. Yeah. Which means you're also, I mean, when you say parallelize, you're saying there's no dependency between the array items, effectively. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It, it's, you know, you can have an you know, array of 1 to 10 or something and right. say, you know, uh, I don't know, send in a function that will... Yeah. So I get yes. the whole data transfer thing now. You have a massive array of data from, from this place, a massive array of data from that place, yep. and you just parallelize the whole damn yeah. thing. Yeah, like smash them together in this way, act on them in this way. Smash a little bit more, and then send over here an output. Yeah. How yeah. many lines of code was that? <sighs> Not many. It ended up, no. It, it was five files, and I think each one had 40 lines of code, maybe. Right. But that, that's inclusive with, you know, using or open statements and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The, the plumbing parts. Yeah. And, and space, you know, free lines. That, that was... That's awesome. Yeah. It was really... And this was from a... Not a massive C-sharp app, but it definitely... Sure. There was some structure in there. Well, and, and I bet that, you know, when you look at the equivalent C-sharp app, it just kind of smells funny <laughs> compared it. Well, to that's one of the things about starting to switch to, to F-sharp is that a lot of C-sharp does start to smell funny. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, and we've talked about this before. I think we even talked about with Vencat that you can write very functional C-sharp. Absolutely, yes. And it... Does it make it smell less? <laughs> it does make it smell a little less, but it it doesn't have the same level of satisfaction, to me right. at least. It's, uh, yeah, it, it just kind of doesn't. <laughs> now, that being said, you're not saying all F-sharp all the time. No, no. It, and, I mean, there, there are ways to do basically everything that you can do in C-sharp. Right. Um, but there is a point there, where you're making F-sharp jump through hoops. That's true of every language, so absolutely, sure. yes. Yeah. So there there's... It's more about knowing, you know, having a time and a place for exactly what you want but to do. I think this is a fairly tough concept for a lot of people. People want to work in one language, and here we are talking about working in two languages because it's better. Yes and no. I actually, um, I was listening to the show that you guys did with Kit Eason just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And there was a great comment that, um, that he made about, uh, C, you know, being a C-sharp shop. And right. that, or maybe it was one of you guys. But the, the fact that we work in many languages all the time. Yes. Like, when people come back and say we're a C-sharp shop, like, oh, do you not work in SQL or yeah. Link? <laughs> <laughs> well, especially right. SQL, which is so functional. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, so none of these concepts are actually foreign. Yeah. Although the, the good SQL guy in your organization is looked at oddly. <laughs> <laughs> so the same way, I think they're probably going to look at F-sharp people most of the time. But yeah, I get that. <laughs> so what, are some, what are some of the other great problems you solved with F-sharp? Um... <laughs> Didn't mean to put you on the spot there. Um, actually, I have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I wasn't able to actually implement this one at work, but I I had a great idea for which I was able to implement for the talk I'm giving tomorrow cool. a, as a demo. I was looking at F Sharp's actor model, um, which they call mailbox processing slash agents, um, and we had <clears throat> we had a. Uh, it needed to be improved email system at work. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> yes, it, nice, it needed yeah. to be improved. Um, 
and I, I had just started learning the, what agents were. I, I didn't, I hadn't known anything about the actor model. It was just this, this, when I started running the functional user group, you know, other people would say, hey, we should learn something about Erlang. And I'm like, okay, Erlang, sure, we'll get somebody to talk on that next month. <laughs> and then, you know, that guy came in and, and he did a whole talk on the actor model. I'm like, I've never heard of this. This is yes. amazing. How have I not known about this before? Um, and so then I discovered F Sharp had the, the same agents. And um, I was able to write a, a short little app that um, basically handles several different types of emails. I mean, websites handle emails. There's the thank you for signing up, the you forgot your password, the, um, you know, oh, mm -hmm. several different emails that you'll have to send. Mm -hmm. And so the way agents work is they come in, in systems. You know, there's, there's billions of them all at once. It was right. originally um, written for Erlang for, you know, phone systems. Sure. Yep. And actually, if, if your listeners haven't watched the Erlang the movie video that's out on YouTube. Really? <laughs> oh, there is, Erlang the it. movie? Yes. It. It, oh, we have to see this. It's, it's kind of amazing. It, it's three minutes of, you know, the, the three Erlang guys picking up phones and saying, hello, Joe. Hello, Mike. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's from, you know, 1982. or Yeah, oh, it's beautiful. Um, Erlang the movie. <laughs> yes. So, so the actor model. So the actor model. Um, so the, the way it were is, since it was developed for phone systems, you know, it, it, it comes on a, a massive scale. There's, right. you know, several different ones of them. They're basically a, a little computational entity, I guess, that it, it has an internal queue and then you can act on each new thing in the queue as it comes up. But that's sort of basically it. So they'll, sort of they'll like a little bot. Maybe. Yeah. Little, so they'll send messages entity. to each other. Um, my favorite example is the, if you guys have seen Megamind, Megamind has the, the little minion-y guys. We know him. He lives in Mystic, Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Mark. No, really. <laughs> he -he. Yeah. Um, His name is Mark Miller. No. Yeah. I know Mark. <laughs> um, but the, they're the little, I think they, they were minions in that movie as well. Yeah. But that all fly around. And I always think of that as like, right. send off minions. So these to little autonomous with. entities that so, send messages to each other and have cues. Exactly. Um, so I was able to set up in an email system where, you know, it'll go maybe get 10 at a time, either from the database or instantly sent to, you know, the first agent. And it'll have them in a queue. It'll send them off to two or three different agents, which will template each one. So, you know, if you if you have the the welcome email as compared to the forgot your password, it'll have a little like this is actually a forgot your password email, and it'll go to the the special forgot your password agent um, and get properly templated with mm -hmm. the the pretty HTML, and then since those agents are all running in parallel, they'll send to another agent that has that will do the actual like sending off of the email. Sounds um, an awful lot like microservices. <laughs> a little SOA kind of at a micro scale. Yeah. Um, and then there's one you can have like supervisors basically to handle errors or logging or you know other things that might come up as That's happening. That's so cool. It's really the whole, the whole process of, I mean, it's very much the Erlang model as I understand it having looked at barely any Erlang code. Yeah. Um, that's sort of how that, that system works. Er, yeah, Erlang so. seems to be, I mean, it's its own OS, effectively. It's always a group of actors. Mm -hmm. But in F-sharp, because F-sharp seems to have, F-sharp actually seems to be this odd sort of Swiss army knife type language. <laughs> and, but one of the things it can do is, is actors. Yes, one of, yes, exactly. Mm. One of the things. And is there any, is there, are there particular keywords? Like what makes F-sharp good at an actor model? Um... 
it actually very technically the the way the F# -sharp implementation it really works. It's not as good as Erlang. Okay. There are a few libraries that you can put over it, which will handle. Well, and um, I would expect this, that. Yeah. <laughs> Erlang seems like a level of commitment higher than I think a lot of folks are willing to go to. Very like, closer to the metal, obviously. Yeah. That, at, yeah. that F sharp lets you walk into functional advantages a little more gently. Yes. You still get your 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 studio love. Yeah, right. you get you know all the happy IntelliSense and all the you have yeah. the REPL, but it's all just within Visual Studio and it's nice. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean that, that's where I think the taking the actor model and applying an F sharp because it is approachable seems very interesting. I'm just wondering, you know, what kind of hoops do we have to jump through to make that happen? Very few. It just um, sort of happens. Yeah, one well, not very few, but it's it is just you know an option of the language. It, it's just there to mm -hmm. use um, as you, it's it's another. I hate to say class, but it. Um, another library that, that is there just right. to, yeah. The F-Sharp Actor library that is currently being developed right. will at least handle, um, some of the things the F-Sharp can't do are, like, it, yeah, you can't handle between processes. Um, I've seen a few Erlang demos where they, they have, like, three different computers in the room, and they're, they're sending messages, right. you know, back and forth. Um, so so F-Sharp is only within the, within the process, but the, with the Erlang, or with the, the F-Sharp Actor library on top of that, you can fix most of these issues. And where do you even. get this library? That is off on GitHub. I, I believe it's called F-Sharp Actor. I don't actually... I, I will find the link for, excellent. for folks. You I can, can send it to you. <laughs> you can always go from process to process with sockets or any kind of communication transport. Yeah. Is that what they're doing, basically? That's, yeah. 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 Um, so how is this different from Agents? That it's the exact same thing, basically. Okay. Agents are F-Sharp's implementation of the actor model. Ah, all right. Which is Perfect. also yeah. called, it, so very technically, it's called the mailbox processor. Every bit of code that I've ever seen that uses it aliases that first thing to agent. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the, the two are essentially synonymous. Yes, absolutely. And it, for the most part, when you, when you try to Google it, you'll find code that, you know, is talking about F-Sharp agents. Right. Are you a fan of type providers? I am a huge fan of type providers. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> and, this, and this is an F-sharp 3 thing, right? Yes, 3.0. So for folks who haven't run into it before, well, how do you explain type providers? It, it, type providers are, um, first and foremost, kind of magical. Um, <laughs> they, they're basically a, a way to incorporate at um, design time and compile time the, the typed data from... Everything. All, yeah, everything. Everything all dot is the way Don <laughs> Simon put it, I think. Or was it dot everything? Or yeah. Um, world dot. We universe there's a, dot. a Python one. There's an R one, a MATLAB one. There's a XAML one. There's a regex type provider. Um, CSV, SQL Server. I, you know, my, my brain explodes every time I look at the list. So I think the way he said <laughs> it was magic for a .NET person is imagine, you know, you have a WSDL file which defines a service, right? Imagine not having to have a WSDL file. Just saying, go give me a something. Give me the metadata for that thing there. Yeah, and here's a URL. Yeah, here's a URL. Just go give me a class. Boom, and there and it, it just is. appears. Yeah, it, it you know it's one line of code, and then from there you can IntelliSense into the everything. Everything you know what what that brings back basically. So with the the Whistle type provider. You know, it'll say this, these are the methods that that service has. Right. This is, this is what parameters they each take. This is what they return. You get tooltips over all of that. Right. It's just there. So is this prime, <laughs> do you see this primarily valuable when you're developing or is it just because it makes it easy to get it all the data? Yeah. It's both. Yeah. Right. 
It, that was actually the, it was using the type providers that I created the, the data transfer app. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Using the SQL Server ones. And it, you know, one line of code, I'm like, okay, great. Now I have access to the database. Yeah, right. <laughs> and of course, I, when we asked Don, so is that going to be in the rest of .NET anytime soon? Sharp <laughs> goes, oh no. You got to come to F, you got to come to F Sharp to get that, yeah. my friend. Definitely. Get that, get that yeah. kind of love. Yeah. But the, I mean, it's really, it's fascinating to me that we have, I mean, with the Python one and, and the MATLAB and R ones, you can, you can grab data from somewhere and then process it using something else. Sure. And then, you know, output it. There's a PowerShell one, even. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so am I able to code PowerShell in F Sharp? Yes. Oh, or, man. or call PowerShell pre-written. Yes. Yeah. And since that F Sharp just exposes an object, if you want to access that in C Sharp, you just make yes. a DLL and you wrap it, and yeah. now you've got all that goodness go. in C Sharp. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It's, yeah. Once again, it's these examples of you want these two languages living together. Absolutely. Yes. Letting each one do the thing. You know, C Sharp is better. with C Sharp in conjunction with XAML makes a better UI. Yes. You know, <laughs> for better or worse, the WPF approach for guys like me who are living with mostly smart client apps with my customers, that's what they're doing. Yeah. And now it's starting to see F Sharp show up at, in services. Mm hmm Because it's efficient. Yes. And, and fast. F Sharp with Xamarin does have the, the iOS and Android story, um, right. which is also a very interesting thing. But mm -hmm. um, I know, you know about this much about it, a smidgen. <laughs> yeah, and we had uh, Yan on talking about mm. game development in F Sharp. And, and he was very focused on the lightweightness of F Sharp around those things. Yeah. It's really, yeah, it's spooky. But... I just like this idea that we're not trying to replace anybody here. We're just trying to take certain work off the table. Yeah, the and, and F -sharp do it in a better handle, way. Yeah, mm. faster, easier, more simple. legible. Yes, right. The um, simple code to solve complex problems. Right, is one of the phrases you hear thrown around a lot. Although you, and although it, you stare at the simple line of code and say, "This looks like a simple line of code." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I think about it. <laughs> My head hurts. <laughs> yeah, only for a while though. I think yeah, it's so one of those things that you once you, you know it takes a while to get, and then when you get it, oh my god, watch out! You're it, you're off to the races. It's just like learning to read again, it, yeah. or not it, fully read again. But it's you know like any new language. There's that understanding what on earth is going on, and then once you can read it, it's like oh well, I get this now. Yeah, and it, and it, and like Link and like SQL, it's something you sort of write from the middle. Mm -hmm. And then fill in the rest around it over right. time. Very much. Yeah. You start with whatever it is you can do and you do know, and then you build. And yeah. I think that's probably true of any language. And, probably and, true. It's yeah. almost yeah. like, yeah, you bit by bit, you decorate this function you've built until it does all the things you <laughs> need it to yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know this one little part, so hey, that's cool. Yeah. That's in there now. <laughs> now we'll add this and I'll need a little of this. And I go look up that and add that in there. Yeah. Are you at a place now where functional stays in your head? You just write it, or do you have to look at it first? I still do have to kind of look at it. Yeah. I, what I'm still, um, I, I started very much from the point of I want to do this properly. I want to do this functionally. I don't want to write my F sharp like I'm actually trying to write C sharp, right. but in F sharp. So, it, it, which is kind of a weird thing to do, maybe for other people. But I tend to throw away sort of everything I know. And relearn the language, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's familiar. Well, that's familiar. But I have to, I sort of start by relearning the concepts. Yeah. Um, and I'm not there with functional programming until 
we were doing some sequel together the other day. Yeah, right. You and I. And I realized very quickly, it's like, I still think it's sequel. Like, yeah. it's not a big deal to go, oh, well, we're going to need one of these, one of those, one of these, one of those. So these go together like this, and we'll add a little bit of this, the filter over here, and there's a statement. There you go. <laughs> but it's like, oh. yeah, the often you have to go look at, I have look at old queries I've written to remember the pattern. Sure. Yes. And I think it's the same sort of thing in F-sharp. That there are patterns here. You have to study them again. Very much so. To get them into your head. You just don't spit them out. And but, I, you know, that's okay, okay though. I mean, we're we're so used to nowadays knowing so many different things that you can't remember it all. Yeah. You just know where to go to find it. You organize your data. You know where to go look for it, and that's fine. Totally. And I'll, often I'll have a you know an array or, or some group of data, and I'll be like, I want to do this to it. And so I'll have to open up the, the array list of, of methods on, on MSDN that I can actually call, and I'll just scroll down and be like, nope, that one's not right. Nope, that one's not right. <laughs> yeah, no different than digging around for it's, aggregators. So I exactly. guess it's the same sort of thing. Yeah. I, it's really, yeah, it's a method, but it's more a function a fu you yes. want to apply to a set. <laughs> yes. I'm going to use SQL terms all day today, I think. Yeah, okay. Where we're going to go, right? No, I, I end up thinking like that. <laughs> hey, Richard, you know what time it is? Uh, must be that happy time again. Right. It's time to write a function to reboot my brain. Nice. Because uh, I needed rebooting. I think that's a little recursive function, actually. You there. think so? I don't know about parallel execution, but it's certainly recursive. <laughs> I think it's recursive function that you have there. I don't know uh, about parallel execution, but I think it's recursive. I know when we find a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle, we get very recursive about consuming it. I think we would get very recursive about consuming it, consuming it, consuming it, consuming <laughs> it, consuming it. <laughs> trying to be recursive, recursive. Sorry. No, it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who wins it today, let me tell you that Telerik Icinium enables you to develop, test, and publish iOS and Android apps from a single code base using only HTML5 and JavaScript. The new release of Icinium will allow .NET developers to utilize all of this goodness from within Visual Studio. These capabilities include comprehensive back-end as a service running in the cloud, integrated support for Kendo UI, as well as jQuery mobile, and integrated testing and deployment capabilities, making Icinium a robust end-to-end -end mobile app development platform for .NET developers. Telerik Icinium, with its new Visual Studio extension, is available on a subscription basis and is now part of the Telerik DevCraft Ultimate Collection. So start a free 30-day trial of Icinium with support at icinium.com. That's I-C-E-N-I-U-M.com slash DNR. And don't forget to thank him for supporting .NET Rocks. Absolutely. All right, buddy, who's our winner? Today's winner of the Telerik DevCraft Complete is Adam Driscoll. Congratulations, Adam. <laughs> Sorry, Adam, if you're not here at OrDev. But if you're listening, uh, well, we sent you an email anyway, so yeah, you got Yeah, you it. know about it. You know all about it. We also give away uh, one of my CDs. This has been a while, released uh, last September. And uh, the great John Schofield came to my studio and played guitar with me on it. Indeed. It's fabulous stuff. Uh, Jeremy Cade is the winner. Congratulations, Jeremy. You can get that album at iTunes, Amazon.com, Nokia Music, and, of course, listen to it at carlfranklin.com. Where were we? We were out for dinner or something with some guys. Oh, no, you weren't there. I, I had a copy of your album, and I gave it to a friend. Yeah. And... He, because it, it was a CD, right? And he immediately whipped out his iPhone and ordered it on iTunes. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Yeah, because a CD it represents work for people. Yeah, to nowadays. actually rip it and so forth is harder. It was right. easy for the I don't know five dollars, right, to yeah, go yeah. get it off of iTunes. Isn't that funny? Even though you've given them the CD, I love that. Yeah, isn't it's it just neat? really interesting. Yes, yeah, a CD. 
That's work. Yeah. I don't have any spinning drives anymore. Right. It's obsolete. The only time you can listen to a CD is in the car, really. Yeah. But but who has, like, cases of CDs in their cars anymore? You don't. Nobody. You listen one at a time. Somebody gives it to you, play it in the car. The only iPod I own is in my car. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, hey, we got to finish up the story here. That's right. Yes. What we did is we gave away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. That's just about everything they do in one box. Uh, it's about $2,000. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. We give away stuff in every show. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member. you got to be a member to win, however. Absolutely. And it is November, so that drawing right is coming up. Yep. And it's your choice. Yes. We let him choose. Our winner from last year was Rob Corbett, and uh, we got him to choose without realizing he was choosing. I don't know, maybe we shouldn't give that away, because we're going to have to do it to somebody again. Somebody again. But we ended up building him a, uh, a custom development environment for Touch, and Windows 8, and, and Connect, uh, and Connect yep. uh, software. So Gave him a copy of Gesture Pack. He yeah. was very happy. And it's so fun to build a $5,000 desktop machine. Yep. It's just a lot of horsepower. Yeah. It's a monster of a machine. So, Rachel, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology, what would you buy? Oh. First of all, definitely a new laptop. I would get something amazing, all the bells and whistles, you know, light as a feather. Okay. You know, billions of... <laughs> I mean, you could get the, the high-end Ultrabooks are about up to two grand now. Yeah. They're under three pounds, so forth. You can get four cores mm-hmm. and 8K's, not bad. But if That's you a- want to blow five grand on a laptop, you can you know, yeah, yeah, go it, get a Delosaurus. Right? <laughs> Delosaurus. Right? Yeah, this well, dude. <laughs> you got a Delosaurus. Yes, you got a Delos. That's, that's those big precision workstations, the sixty four hundred with sixty four gigs of RAM and eight cores in it. Like it's a server <laughs> with a screen attached. Right? It's a Delosaurus. I wonder what Adele thinks of. Dude, you got Adele. <laughs> So, I mean, so, I, that's the question. Do you want to blow all the money on a computer? Because you can do it. Probably not quite all of it. Sure. Um, close. I might, you know, twenty five, thirty five hundred. Yeah. I actually, I, I thought about this for a while. I, Good. You know, I, I actually prepared. And... <laughs> you knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, beyond that, I was like, you know, there's some things I want, but nothing really big. I think I'd go with photography equipment. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. You have, you, have you got the camera body you already want? Yes, I have the camera body. Yeah, I have like lens. one You're little... You're a Canon or an Icon? I'm an Icon. An Icon. Okay. I have a, a, a D80, which is old at this Wait point. Wait a but... Are there any other brands? <laughs> no. Camera, no. Nikon. Is Canon, Canon, Canon or Nikon? It's one it. or the other. Baffled. Oh, no, there are other brands. But <laughs> Those two are really, really the... Yeah, it's Canon or Nikon. Yeah. Okay. And there's a big war between them because it's oh, important. Yeah. Different lens systems, so forth. It, uh, it says why you have to ask, Canon right. person or Nikon person. <laughs> and I, I am a Canon person, but because I'm a uh, professional, I'm not going to curse it. <laughs> I am, as well, a Canon person. Yeah. Yikes. For video. The new Nikon, the D600, the old, the 50 style body, oh my God. I saw one All of a sudden, I'm so like, pretty. I'm going to rebel. So they built a digital camera, but they put it in that old-fashioned SLR has body, Nikon has. Nikon has. Nikon. Yeah, really, and it's that good. And I'm like, uh, I mean, you have to have that. <laughs> All my lenses gone. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's too pretty. It's too pretty. There it goes again? the five grand. Yeah. It is. Yeah. A, it is a modern digital SLR, yeah. but in a body that looks like the 1950s style SLR. Oh, camera. geez, wow. It, it is, is so pretty. pretty. Yeah. Yeah. 
they just totally pressed a button there. Like, Because um, I know people who hung on to those old bodies having a tough time buying film because they love the body. <laughs> and here is that body. Wow. But, it, but it's a full digital. Yeah. I, um, I'd probably go with lenses, filters, something like that. Yeah. that you know, right. if I only have on. a little bit, yeah. Because yeah, I have the... only do so much. But yeah. you know what? A thousand dollar lens in that category, Nikon or, or Canon. Is not unreasonable. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're really nice lenses. Like low f-stop, big sapphire uh, collectors on it. Like it's, it's worth it. Have you yeah. done any digital signal processing stuff with F-sharp, DSP? I have not. Not at all. Uh, is this something you'd <laughs> like to get into? I mean, being in photography, like, you know, kind of working at that low level? Yes. It's something I basically know almost nothing about at mm-hmm. all. Um, so... For that reason alone, I mean, the yes, chips for the f- do such a good job now that you don't really need to. But it, I always thought it'd be kind of fun to. It's always mess well define fun, but it's always fun to work <laughs> it <laughs> at a lower level than you need yeah, just sorry. to learn something. Did we, yeah, did the mathematician just ask us to define fun. Is that <laughs> where we're going? There? You guys are doing the one plus one equals three jokes. <laughs> well, for some levels. <laughs> <laughs> values of one. <laughs> nice. Values I, of one. Oh man. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a right brain person, but for that reason, I love to go low level on the left brain just to see how far my understanding can take me before my brain just explodes. Just collapses. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my form of exercise. If you look at me, you know, that's what I do for exercise. I exercise the left side of my brain. <laughs> awesome. That's like, no, I cannot figure that. That's that's it. That's my limit. That's why I follow people like Kellabyte on Twitter. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, there's somebody <laughs> we got to get on the show. Yes. Uh, fast Farrier transformations. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been driven into hardware so much these right. days. But, I mean, F-Sharp sort of brings that to the surface again. We can there's start thinking that way. Actually, on Try F-Sharp, they have one of the sections does for your transforms. Right. Um, and you can just sit there in the browser and, and watch it like play around with the map. Oh it's, my goodness. I, I only did it once. It was kind of a while ago, but it, yeah. You, and you get a chill when you think about what's it's going totally. on and it's in a browser. <laughs> That's spooky. Yeah. Yeah. We have too much horsepower. Wait, now. What's, what's doing it in the browser? JavaScript? Or Magic. Is it, or is it running back on a service and then being pushed back down again? Right. I don't it's actually like, know. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. That's no, sorry I brought it up. <laughs> you get tooltips in IntelliSense. <laughs> does that help? <laughs> Yikes. But yeah, it's it does some pretty pretty intense, interesting things. <laughs> so what all did you talk about in your session on uh in um, the first one that I did earlier today was, was type providers. Mm-hmm. So I just digging into this magic of one line that makes your world a better place. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I showed a, a whole bunch of examples. Um, I have one that connects to a couple different web services. So the fact that you can have, you know, two or three within a file and it's just, it right. is the one line of code. Well, and and I, I think this is the thing that most people just try to get your head around. It's not that I just grabbed onto a file. It's that, oh, no, I pointed it at a service. Yeah. Oh, no, no, wait, I, I pointed at this, this at block of XML or this object. Yeah. It all works. This is like Superlink. Yeah, and there's, there's no code gen. Right. It doesn't, you know, it's not like it's generating everything and just sticking it there. Yeah. It's just, you know, it. you're pointing it, it's, you know, pinging the service or, you know, creating a, a local schema and just working with... What yeah. happens when the service changes on the back end? You know it, um, design time or compile time, depending on... Yeah. 
But it, that also speaks to this idea of tolerant software, right? And mm. more and more I'm dealing with environments where we're on a service bus, there's lots of different services, there's different versions running, some clients are being upgraded, some are not. Mm -hmm. So to be able to take advantage of this and have confidence that if they back-end upgraded, app's just not going to break. It's yeah. going to keep clunking along. Well, yeah. your app may break. Well, it, if, you point, if you're pointed to, specifically to the old one, <laughs> mm. then yeah. everything will be fine. But it, yes, your, your app will likely... Well, you know, here's the thing, though. You know, in, when you're building a service, you typically what you do is you don't change the name of an existing service. Right. You add a new service. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are things to, that you do and you don't do. Yeah. Yep. You got to be careful. No question about it. But, yeah. you know, WCF is very tolerant to this idea that I add additional parameters, I add additional methods, yep. and the old ones don't break. New stuff coming in comes as nulls if you don't understand it, that kind of thing. I just wonder how the type providers behave. That, um, to be fair, I, I haven't built any of the web services and then been able to, but I'm sure it would handle that totally I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. new, yeah. as long yeah. as you didn't change, you know, the name of the method you were calling right. or some very obvious. Well, if yeah. you do, it's that new method now. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The main thing is don't do that. That's, that would be that's, dumb. That's bad. Yeah. Don't do that. Not good design. <laughs> Yes, it's not going to protect you from making poor choices. <laughs> no language can help with it. I yeah. just see Don Slime going. <laughs> I'm sitting here shaking my head, holding my hands. You're like, I don't like, even what? know how to answer that question what? because what? You did what? You did I'm what? supposed to protect you from that? Yeah, anytime you think about what is F Sharp thinking of it doing here, what? Don's going. Yeah. There is tons of sharp can prevent from can help you with, but yeah, not so much with that. And you still got another <laughs> session to go today? I do. Um, that one's on the actor or the the agents. It's specifically on the agents yeah. slash actor model. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with the Hollywood and F sharp? Well, you know, actors, agents. It's actually it's really difficult to Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's too common a term. <laughs> yeah, is I made that mistake when I was first. I was like, okay, actors and agents. Oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, actors and agents. F sharp. Yeah. <laughs> Mailbox processor. Yeah. yeah, it's a whole different, you know, and the actor model, I think. It's yeah, a, and, a, yeah, models. Actors, <laughs> models, agents. Nice. I did find the GitHub project. Mm. Uh, so Very cool. The show now you just add dealers and hookers, and you've got Hollywood, <laughs> basically. Not at all. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that good? That's a new library to build, just to round out <laughs> F-Sharps. Right. Hollywood. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Are you thinking about the actor model from the context of scale? Hmm. You know, as... Because you generally see that F-sharp is doing specific tasks very quickly, yeah. but not massively. And I, mm. I kind of think it would be good at that. I just haven't seen any projects like that. Um, to be fair, I can't think of any offhand. I'm yeah. sure it does. It's, um, I know it does handle, you know, a massive scale, at least on a reasonable level. I'm, I'm sure it's probably even better than C-sharp. I could be wrong about that. But... Um, there are some cases in which it would be, right. for sure. Well, I mean, immutable behavior tends to scale better. Yes. So they, that's just a natural tendency to go, it'll probably be good at this. I'm, yeah. just, I'm still waiting for that project. Actually, I can think of, um, I don't remember who it was or what project, but about a year ago, I, one of the, the folks possibly over in London who does develop some of the um, libraries around F-sharp for, mm -hmm. for his business um, that, and sells the stuff, um, he was able to get F sharp to have at least, perhaps not on a massive scale, but the speed of C right. for some for one of his libraries. You've got to remember <laughs> that F sharp's still running as IL. In the end, it is just generating IL. Yeah. So that's pretty impressive. It was, it, I, yeah. <laughs> it is extremely impressive. Do you think it was multi threading? 
I'll be honest, I don't know. Yeah. I, I read a short blog post on it, and I, you know, I was all amazed. My eyes were wide, and I, I, that's about the extent of what I remember about right. it. Right. <laughs> that's fair. But it, anyway, it, it depends on the C++, but I, I, I am a big believer <laughs> these true. days, and we just don't want to own threads anymore. Let the machine do it. Yeah. And, uh, and this syntax, this approach to coding, seems to lend itself to really nice parallel behaviors. It really does. And the, the fact that it is so easy that it doesn't require, you know, setting up and, and handling everything, at least with F-sharp, it, it is literally just a dot parallelize right. on some things. And that, you know, you can go back and add that in. Super easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's because of the way it's all structured to begin with. Exactly. Yeah. Because everything's immutable and everything's a function and functions call functions and pass functions. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hence the name. Yeah, that's it. All that functional language stuff. <laughs> well, Rachel, what's next for you? What's in your inbox? <sighs> well, I'm uh, trying to get more F-sharp, obviously, at work. Would be yeah. fabulous. Yes. Are you <laughs> finding pushback? Oh, definitely. Um, really? really? We're a C-sharp shop. Is it fear? <laughs> Is it fear of the unknown? It's, we can do everything that you would want to do in, in F-sharp and C-sharp, so why would we have a new language? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, like we're, we're willing to jump through hoops because more people know it. Yeah, and, huh. and I think once once a few people at work do actually know it, then that yes, that we will know help, the hoops. We know how to jump through them. Yeah. Let us jump through them. Yeah, but as soon, since I'm I'm pretty much the only one who's very loudly evangelizing it, everyone's like, oh, this again. Right. Ah, <laughs> uh, Rachel's up on her on her box again. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> there's a way around the hoops. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think you you also get into this but case of you just start writing code. Yes. And showing examples and saying, this is really fast, and yeah. I wrote it really quickly. Just yeah. be awesome. Which is, yeah. which is the one thing I did with the data transfer app. Which right. You just did it. Yeah. It, it got like, great oh, results. By the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> by the way, that was written in. I mean, do we actually... Yeah. The only reason you care about the language is so that you could take a vacation. Right? I mean, that's really what it's yes. about, right? Like, when you want to take a break, and heaven help that anything you've written has any problems whatsoever. Right. Couldn't imagine. Like, who can not. fill in? Who can actually look at that code and not go, ah? <laughs> yeah. I actually, um, just a couple weeks ago, the, the guy who sits in the cube next to me, right. you know, we were chatting about something, and... You know, I, I said, well, F-sharp is, you know, the syntax is very similar to OCaml, and it, you know, it's just an ML. He was like, oh, I took OCaml at school. I was like, great, you. <laughs> nice, you're it. Yeah. You're sitting you're next it. to me. Yes. You nice. handle all of you this are now. Caught. Yeah, you're the guy. <laughs> but, you know, but you bring up a valid point, which is F-sharp, nobody knows what it is. Right. But Don Sign came from the OCaml world. Yeah. Yeah. And so just bringing OCaml to .NET. Yeah. And that's, you know, the syntax is very similar, at least mm -hmm. to begin with. And in fairness, I, I haven't looked at OCaml nearly enough. Right. But um, that is, that's how it was bootstrapped, right. uh, using the OCaml compiler. Well, and we, so, I mean, we go way back on this. You remember finding this as a research project purely in MSR. Huh. And one of the things Syme was talking about was they got really tired when they're experimenting with languages with building new dev environments over and over again. So <laughs> plugging into Studio just saved them a lot of work. Yep. Yeah. But it's also what brought suddenly this, this possibility of bringing it to everybody. Yeah. That's, that, that was really, I think, almost a surprise. That is really, yeah, I had no idea about that. That's really it's interesting. It's a cool history, it actually. A great history. We've got it in the form of .NET Rocks episodes. If you sure. go search on the F-sharp <laughs> tag, yeah, that's right. go listen, all the way back. Awesome. Listen yeah. to the story of F-sharp in .NET Rocks. Yeah, in about yeah. 20 shows. In about 20 shows. I listened to three or four of them, but I, I didn't go all the way back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Rachel. Well, thanks very much for spending an hour almost with us. Thank you, guys. It's been great. It's tons of fun. All right, Rachel Reese, everybody. <laughs>
We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Plop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band.